does all this so much noise around sanjo samson right now a year uh, removed from the next world cup yeah so uh, is uh, sanjo samson going to be the vijay shankar of the 2023 world cup you mean is he going to be the vijay so shankar or the ambati raidu of the <laughs> next world cup <laughs> they might give him a lot of chances in the coming games and then decide he's not going to play the world cup A few months ago, the Jammy Hitman partnership could do no wrong. Series win after series win in bilateral cricket, a healthy bunch of upcoming talent, success in white ball tours overseas and at home. India looked poised to finally break out of its rut, if you could even call it a rut, and finally realize its true potential. What followed instead was a disappointing Asia Cup campaign, a spate of unlucky injuries, a whimper in a World Cup knockout game. And now, with just about 20 ODIs left before the next ICC tournament, we're asking just one question: How do you turn the juggernaut that is Indian men's cricket around? Hello, and welcome to another episode of ESPN Cricket for Stamp Mike. I'm your host Kaustub, and today we have two keen observers of Indian cricket who are about to answer that very question. First up, it's Vishal Dikshit. Vishal shares a bit of my pessimism when it comes to Indian white ball cricket. Don't you, Vishal? <laughs> yeah, lot sort of. Let's see, actually, because the Rohit and Dravid partnership—it's a different format now, completely after the last World Cup. So I'm not also sure where the ship is headed exactly. And also joining us is the Yang to our discussions. Yin, uh, George Binoy is going to be the light of optimism and is going to tell us why it's not all doom and gloom in Indian cricket just yet. Hey, Kostu. Yes, always looking on the sunny side. It's definitely not doom and gloom. lots of reasons for that uh, but there there is work to be done for sure uh, and there's not much uh, time left to do it but uh, there's you know a lot of pessimism around uh, the indian team i don't think all all of that is realistic as as lot there's cause for optimism also okay so to begin um, we know we've had two back to back t20 world cup years right so because of that even globally odi cricket has been on the back burner and particularly so for indian cricket we have played about uh, 39 to 40 odis or something to that effect since the last uh, uh, odi world cup in 2019 and here's just a summary of uh, the results for india this year in men's odis okay uh, we have lost to south africa away we have beaten west indies at home uh, we have beaten england west indies and zimbabwe away we have beaten south africa at home Uh, we've lost in new zealand away although it was two rain impacted matches and uh, there's a there's a series going on right now in bangladesh we have lost the first game but uh, it's a three match series we know how pitches behave in bangladesh so so that's basically all the odi cricket that we have seen so far uh, my first question to you is do you remember any of these games <laughs> and uh, the second uh, question is uh, What do you make of uh, India's year in ODI so far? I remember the washed out matches more than the others, <laughs> for some reason. Also because I was working on those games, so I just remember waiting and waiting and waiting, <laughs> and then seeing India lose the series, uh, which was almost two nil. But uh, yeah, on paper one nil. I remember uh, you know a fair number of these games, like you know uh, the series win in England was quite memorable, and. Uh, you know of course we lost to south africa away and all of that so well i would take these results you know with the proverbial pinch of salt because both the wins and the defeats because uh, odi cricket has been on the back burner for india and most teams in the lead up to the t20 world cup 
which means that India often didn't play their full strength team and the opposition also didn't play their full strength. So, you know, uh, I take these results with a pinch of salt, but uh, wins are wins and there's a lot to build on uh, going forward. Now that the T20 World Cup is done, it's just time to now shift focus to ODIs and, you know, like focus solely on that. India especially have started with a clean slate after the T20 World Cup for the next ODI World Cup. Obviously, people were watching those ODIs closely and how uh, some of the contenders were performing or not performing well in the South Africa or England ODIs. But not many people were talking through the lens of the ODI selection. Or even if they were, it's just gone to another level now. People are suddenly talking about, okay, not Umran Malik that much because he's fairly new, but who are the middle-order batters, who are the contenders, does Dhawan need to be there, who's the keeper option. All these questions have suddenly, uh, you know, the buzz has gone up suddenly after the T20 World Cup, especially because India lost in the semi-final. See, the way I would look at it is uh, ODI cricket for India has been given steps sibling like treatment because most of the tours are taking place out of uh, bilateral obligations and not necessarily with an eye to strengthen the first team. Uh, you have uh, someone like uh, Shubman Gill scoring 50s or scoring 100s uh, as an opener. You have Rutharaj Gaikwad and you have Ishan Kishan, all of them being given a chance to open. There's a plethora of changes in bowling, there's captaincy changes and sure the second team is quite strong and is very talented and Indian cricket is better for it, right? The fact that you can feel these two teams. But since there's no real cohesion and you can't really tell that someone who's performed well in Zimbabwe and in the South Africa home tour that such people are banging on the door to get selected on the first team, is there any takeaways we can take from all the series that have taken place this year? Like I said, you know, uh, these uh, ODI series between, I guess, the 2019 World Cup and uh, the T20 World Cup uh, in 2022, uh, they did try a lot of people, a lot of players did rest. As a result, what's emerged is there is a pool of about 30-odd cricketers that India can pick from for the upcoming World Cup. Uh, now, that's a really strong and good problem to have, really. You know, there are countries that have a far shallower talent pool uh, and they just don't have the kind of options that Indian cricket has. But now the issue is that uh, having mixed and matched because of various reasons over the last year or so, now it's time to you know think with clarity uh, who are the, not the 30 players, but who are the 15 or 20 players we want to try going forward. We're going to pick our World Cup squad from those 15. We have a lot of batting options. It's just about getting the combinations right uh, and then giving that combination enough of a runway leading into the World Cup so that they play often enough together and develop a style uh, of ODI cricket that you know can take India to the finals of the World Cup at home. And see, the, we can discuss the World Cup at home a little later in the podcast. But um, yeah, uh, India do have like a problem of plenty but they need to ensure that that doesn't become a problem, so to speak. Because in the last World Cups in 2019, there was a whole Vijay Shankar uh, selection issue. Uh, the 2021 T20 World Cup, you know, we ended up taking Varun Chakravarti, who didn't turn out to be much of a success. And in 2022, you know, Chehel didn't end up playing a game. Ashwin came back, Shami came back. So, yeah, and Dinesh Karthik was, uh, uh, you know, picked as a finisher, but didn't come off so well. So, we need to get our selections right. We need to get our combinations right and give them enough time to succeed. So, yeah, I wanted to come to that point that you just raised, right? Like about style of play. 
what is our style of play so as to speak because uh, like it's been a little more than a year that dravid's been around and uh, the only consistency that i can see or that i have heard from this team over the past year year and a half like the only consistency you know forget style of play forget the way they go about the cricket uh, it's the phrase we will back our players <laughs> like like it's a year where we've had three odi captains right we've had kl rahul we've had shikhar dhawan and now we have rohit sharma uh you have everybody in the top order playing the exact same way there's a whole host of bowling changes everyone is either playing for their spot in the side or is just playing their natural game and their natural game resembles each other in a particular way i can't really look at this team and go yes i understand what kind of cricket they are playing because it's very disjointed and like we really can't tell what the approach is going to be and given that there are maybe just about 20 25 odis left uh like can we really narrow down on what the actual philosophy of uh, rahul dravid is when coaching this team yeah so about the last 12 months it's difficult to say you know what exactly the team strategy or approach has been but i'll give the team a little bit of benefit of the doubt because in the last 12 to 18 months obviously all the focus was on the t20 world cup so even if a second string side was playing in the odis in any country home or away even if there were five captains not just three it's granted i, I mean it's fine a lot of other teams were also doing slightly similar things so which is why if we have to the one word answer what is india's team approach even i have no idea one sentence answer but that's where the coming odis i think are going to give us a lot of clarity not just in terms of approach but who all are the real contenders like george was saying instead of 30 players we need to bring it down to 20 25 or maybe to decide the final 15 and the next after this bangladesh series i think the next three odi series india are playing at home which is where the next world cup is so i'm not sure for example this meerpur pitch which was uh, very slow and sticky is this how uh, pitches are going to be in india for the world cup maybe not how are they going to be we'll know obviously later but the next three series i think are going to give us a lot of clarity especially you know the way the squad changed from this new zealand odi series to this bangladesh one there were so many changes it's difficult to figure out what exactly the the i was going to say selectors but they are not there right now what exactly the team management is thinking so yeah i think the next couple of series even if results don't go india's way uh, that much i think it's fine till they figure out who exactly are your real backup options so like this whole conversation about approach right and i i guess in the t20 format is established that india's approach needs like a relook a revamp uh because it's a shorter game it's a game you know to go hard right from the start it there's there's space for only so many accumulators and anchors in the team and so on the odi format is obviously a completely different beast 50 overs uh there's a lot more scope to build innings uh there's you know uh conditions for batting changes over the course of innings also perhaps uh so there are a lot more factors at play and you can't have just one approach in odis like it's not practical to just go hard from the start in odis but i do take on board that yes uh india will have to get much better at assessing the conditions like say for example you know in new zealand uh when new zealand chased down those uh 300 in that first yeah, odi yeah. it became very apparent that you know that track was uh uh you should have got maybe 350 or uh and that's what the indian batting order will need to get good at assessing a pitch really fast and adapting your approach uh, accordingly uh, and for that you have to be able to play with that ultra aggressive approach 
as well and that will only come uh, if you start trying to do that uh, you know fairly regularly uh, if you go look at a pitch and say hey okay 280 is a winning score on this let's aim for that uh, that's an approach india is really really good at at the moment you know uh, so i think they need to push themselves a little more so that when they come across conditions where okay 350 360 is going to be uh, you know perhaps par on this pitch they know that they have the practice they have you know it's they're trained enough to be able to get that score fairly regular so that's going to be key see firstly it uh, shikhardhawan was the captain right not rohit sharma so like even if you have lost the series uh, there's a bit of inconsistency there because as it is the captaincy is going to go to rohit right so even if shikhar gets it wrong it's in the grand scheme of thing not that big a deal for uh, like rahul dravid and co like in a, in, in a way it's still a uh, second team that has uh, performed in new zealand it's not the first team that's gone there and the second thing is i think it's got more to do with him not being able to pick the right 11 or the right combination because uh, you tend to have like even during the t20 world cup right like you ended up not playing chahal throughout the world cup because uh, we were one batter short and it was better off for us to have ashwin to bowl even though he is not a strike t20 bowler but purely because he can also hold a bat Uh, you did mention right like this is a problem of plenty and a problem of plenty is a good problem to have but i'm going to bet the other way because i think we are again going to start overthinking about who to pick in the middle order and we're going to repeat the same mistakes that we made in the 2019 world cup with the uh, rigasho selection right there's already so much noise around sanju samson right now a year uh, removed from the next world cup so is uh, sanju samson going to be the vijay shankar of the 2022 World Cup. You mean is he going to be the so Vijay Shankar or the Ambati Raidu of the <laughs> next World Cup? <laughs> They might give him a lot of chances in the coming games and then decide he's not going to play the World Cup. Like I always find a person's stock in Indian cricket rises to the sharpest when he's on the bench. You know, Sanju Samson. I agree, he hasn't been given uh, consistent chances. You know, he's brought in for uh, the odd series, then he disappears, then he does well, and then he disappears again. so it's really hard on him is he the answer uh he may be but like i'm not so sure about it uh is pant india's wicketkeeper i'm not sure about that uh either and that's you know a fairly interesting question that india going to have to address because i don't think kl rahul is a long term solution as a wicketkeeper in the odi side because kl rahul is probably at best a safe keeper uh you know at some point he's going to have a uh, uh, half chance is going to come his way or there's going to be a sharp something that he can't maybe pull off consistently and you know in these tight games that could hurt india so i think india really need to identify who a specialist keeper is going to be and uh, you know stick with him for a while whether that's pant whether that's samson and if it's pant they need to find a way to get him firing and if they think it's samson then they need to give him a consistent run uh, and because they aren't that many spots in the middle order either there's rahul there's uh, you know there's pant there's hardik there hardik is another question he's not played the last two odi series since the t20 world cup so you know uh, where does he fit in india's plans uh, there's shreyas there's surya who doesn't have a great odi record yet but given his t20 form they're going to want to try him so that middle order is packed to me right i think we are completely overthinking this uh, sanju samson question uh, between sanju samson and pant i would pink pant he's a match winner it's 
ODI cricket is not T20 cricket where sure you can raise questions about uh, the way he approaches the game he can win you games if he will maybe perform okay over 3-4 games but the 4th and 5th he will win you matches on his own uh, this is bordering on once again the overthinking that happened uh, under MSK Prasad where uh, where uh, India just started uh, overthinking about who should be at number 4 should it be Pan should it be DK should it be MS Dhoni, uh, should it be KL Rahul? Then KL Rahul got sent off because Shikhar Dhawar got injured. And uh, what happened in the semi-final is we played with three wicketkeepers. And again, even there, it came down to if Dhoni had dived in the semi-final, then maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation because India would have made it to the final and it would have maybe changed the course of history in a way. So, sure, Samjit Samson is a great player and his talks are high. But uh, I see no reason in... Not picking Pant right now. I don't know if we are overthinking or not, but I'm sure we are made to feel like that because of the fan base that Sanju Samson has, which nobody other play, which no other player has when he's sitting on the bench. And uh, going on form, yeah, I'm sure he deserves a fair few chances going into the World Cup. And he didn't get that in New Zealand, so he's obviously, you know, the 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 trends on Twitter were back that why did he just play one match and he didn't bat badly in that match at all in the second ODI in New Zealand and then he was left out again only because India don't have a sixth bowling option which is no fault of Sanju Samson but now if we come to Pant he's been playing really well in ODIs he's among the top scorers for India in the middle order since the last World Cup along with uh, KL Rahul and Ayer so there's no reason you should not play Pant right now who will go for the World Cup that obviously the next few series will decide but as things stand Pant deserves chances. Sanju Samson also deserves chances. So, I think that's how the, again, not selectors, but whoever is there and the team management, they need to maybe play them turn by turn and give them a fair few chances so that you have a clearer picture after the next three series at home. India don't have a selection panel at the moment. Yeah, exactly. And why Samson is not playing this series, for example, I mean, there's no real reason behind that. He deserved to be in the squad at least. You give him a game or not, you decide on a uh, game-by-game basis. To uh, further add to India's problem of plenty, right, uh, there's also the case to be made for domestic talent. You have uh, N. Jagadishan and Rutraj Gaikwad just smashing it in the Vijay Hazare trophy, right? Uh, Rajat Patidar is right now in uh, Bangladesh with the squad. So, uh, is this the time to uh, try and bring those players into the mix? Because it is a World Cup happening at home, like sure. Uh, the Ranji Trophy and the Vijay Hazare Trophy's pressure is not the same as an ICC tournament. But uh, these are players with homegrown skill sets. And uh, is this the time for the management to try and see how uh, like how we can utilize domestic talent to bring home a trophy? So that was the interesting thing, right? So India took an ODI score to New Zealand, which was largely composed of their bench string, you know, the second string uh, uh, players, while. Right? A lot of players took a break. And then a lot of their first-choice players came back for the ODI series in Bangladesh. And the players India took were a different bench strength. So you have like Ishan Kishan, uh, Rajat Katidar, and then on the bowling front, Kuldeep Sen going. So I think that's what uh, has got a little muddled at the moment, you know. Uh, apart from like, the, say, the first... 12 or 13 players, who are your next five players that you would want in uh, uh, in the lineup as backup for certain roles? And I think you need to be, you can try out players now, but eventually you need to like uh, settle on a select few. 
Like I was very confused by Ishan Kishan's uh, selection in this uh, ODI tour to Bangladesh. Like, why is he the backup keeper suddenly, uh, and not Sanju Samson? Uh, even if Rishabh Pant uh, and KL Rahul are also in the mix. Uh, and then similarly, uh, I don't think Huda has gone to Bangladesh, has he? Uh, uh, so why has he been uh, uh, g- given a break? And is Patidar really in the mix for the World Cup? So these are the things that India need to iron out uh, from that home series against Sri Lanka uh, in early Jan. And from then on, look at it with the, you know, clear focus and World Cup lens. You already have such a big pool of players that you have been trying in ODIs slash T20s also uh, in the last 12 to 15 months. And seeing the squad changes from New Zealand to Bangladesh, it's already a lot of players, like how George pointed out. So adding Rutaraj, Gaikwad and Jagdeesan, like top order batters, where are you going to fit them? That, that might add to your problems. So one thing is you need to actually trim your options. The other thing is uh, like George said, you need to identify clear backups. One of the reasons India suffered in the World Cup, apart from the batting approach, was that Bumrah and Jadeja were not there. So you didn't know who exactly the backups were. In Jadeja's case, okay, maybe it was Aksar Patel who was a backup for a long time. But when Bumrah was not there and when Harshal Patel was not performing as well as he was, let's say, a year or 10 months ago, you suddenly brought back Mohammad Shami, which did not, uh, from the outside, it looked like... Looked like you know, it was maybe a knee-jerk thing yeah. or where did he come out from? So, if, let's say, one of your strike bowlers, whether a spinner or a fast bowler, is not there in the, in the next World Cup, if one of the openers is not there, who is your next option for sure? That's that's what the, the question is right now. Say, a team like England, right? They have an approach, a way they play. And whoever they bring into their team, into their level, into their squad fits into the overall style of their game. Uh, you know, they're all-rounder heavy, they're hard-hitting uh, team. So, like, for them, I feel like, okay, there are a few key players, but you, uh, you can imagine they went into this T20 World Cup without Johnny Besto, without Jofra Archer. Mark Wood was uh, uh, injured for the uh, semis and the finals. It didn't change the way they play their game at all. And I think there were a couple of other players uh, as well missing. So even though they were missing a lot of key personnel, it didn't change the way they play their game. And I think that's what India need to strive towards, where, you know, the way you play, uh, your aggression, your, uh, you know, the momentum that you're carrying is not impacted by the loss of one or two players. And direction needs to be defined by the captain and coach, uh, you know, and the team management so that, Everyone coming to the squad knows this is what is expected. This is the way India is going to play. And everyone buys into that approach. Uh, and England have done that brilliantly. Uh, their style of T20 cricket is not defined by one or two individuals. There is a wider idea. And everyone buys into it. And even if they're missing key players, they still play the same way. And I think that's why they've been so successful in the last few years. And uh, it's something that India can, I'm not saying India need to emulate England because, you know, uh, then uh, you can, England play this way because it plays to their strengths. So India need to find what works for them uh, and develop a team ethos around that. And the and here's the uh, important, uh, the crucial factor, whatever way they play, 
it needs to be good enough to beat England on their best day. In terms of approach and style, maybe they don't need to emulate England, but learning how to clearly define the roles, whether it's of the main players and identifying the backups, I think they really need to emulate England. And also, you know, the last time how India lost in the World Cup semi-final against New Zealand, apart from the top order collapse also, at that time you had Rishabh Pant batting at four. Dhoni came so, so much down the order. I think at number seven, that didn't come across as a great uh, strategic or a planning from the strategic or planning point of view. So that's what India also need to look at, that if these kind of situations come up, which uh, easily can in a format like ODI, what are you going to do? I just picked up on one thing. Uh, did George just uh, say that England and India are going to face off in the final? It could be the semi-final once again. No, because I think, see, India's current way of uh, playing ODI cricket, uh, and especially in home conditions, should be good, uh, good enough to beat most teams on most days. The problem is when you run into a team like England, who have such an outlier approach to playing uh, the game, and if the conditions are conducive to England's style of play, how do you counter that? That is the strategy that India need to develop and practice. With all due respect to Sri Lanka and New Zealand uh, when they toured India and the Aussies uh, just before the IPL, you know, playing the regular form of ODI cricket uh, that has worked for India in India could be good enough to win those series. But will it be good enough to win a World Cup semi-final against possibly England? That That is the challenge. So basically, India need to so prepare for England. If they can beat England, they can beat anyone. I think so. Because, see, England are also not just uh, a one-trick pony, you know. They do have batters who can play on slightly less batting-friendly pitches as well. You have a David Malan, you have Ben Stokes who can dig in and he might come out of retirement. Uh, we'll wait and see. You have Butler who can also, like, play the patient inning. We've seen in a couple of IPLs. Uh, the way he's dug in as well. So, yeah, they are also not a one-trick team. It's just that this is their preferred style. And if they have to uh, change, then they will assess the conditions and play accordingly. So, like, my takeaway from uh, the discussion so far is uh, Indian cricket has not really changed much since 2019. When, um, like, even then you were looking for uh, quote-unquote multidimensional players, if I had to paraphrase what uh, MSK Prasad had said. And... Uh, we're looking for the same kind of multidimensional players now as well because we need players who can do uh, or approach the game in different ways based on what the situation is and not just play one-dimensionally. Uh, so let's get down to it. If you had to pick who would make it into the 15 now, right? Uh, with the 20-odd uh, ODIs that are left, there, are not mu there is not much time. Uh, you have to figure out quickly who is going to uh, make it into your squad uh, in the build-up to the World Cup. But... Uh, Knowing fully well that only two people are uh, confirmed selections, right? Your captain, Rohit Sharma, and Virat Kohli at number three. Who is going to be next in line, right? Uh, let's start from there. Who is the next opener? And uh, if you have to take it from there, how would you build the squad going forward? You know, up until the start of this year, Shikhar Dhawan was probably a shoe in He's been in really, really good ODI form over the last few years. Now, in 2022... There's been a slowdown. Uh, he's not scoring as big as he once was. So that's a call India will have to make. They've kept him in the mix of things. They made him captain when Rohit Sharma's not around. So he's clearly an integral part of their plans. Uh, there's still a few more series to go. Uh, so I think they will continue to give him uh, opportunities. But if 
I think if this strike rate does not improve, then India might have to take a tough call. But that's, I think, uh, still a few series down the line. So, yeah, it would be Shikhar and then Shubman Gill as backup. Shikhar Dhawan has put himself in a weird position this year because of his uh, strike rate which has fallen. So, which I found very strange actually because if you look at his T20 form, in the IPL especially, his strike rate has gone up in the last 2-3 years. And we know Ricky Ponting also said it on air that you know he had a chat with Shikhar Dhawan in, in Delhi Capitals that you need to start scoring at a much higher rate and he did that and it was very impressive in the IPL. But this year in the ODIs, we don't know for what reason his strike rate has gone down. So he's capable of doing that. It's not like uh, he's not. Seems like he's satisfied or settled with how he's playing in the power play especially. Like even that ODI that George pointed out against New Zealand, the first one. He, India was scoring 40 or 50 in the power play and then hitting out much later. So either, in my view, the team management needs to tell Shikhar Dhawan, if we, are, if we have that objective in mind that what do we do if we meet England in the knockouts? To beat them, you need to score much quicker in the power play. And for that, Shikhar Dhawan needs to score much, much quicker. If he doesn't in the next few series, then uh, Shubman Gill, who has a much better strike rate in the last year or two, will get the edge. Although one disadvantage of that is, and I don't know how overrated this thing is, you will lose the left-right combination at the top. At the moment, it's Dhawan, Rohit and Kohli. Uh, and Shubman Gill as a backup who's really pushing Dhawan uh, for that second opener spot. But then when you look at 4, 5 and 6, and I say 6 because, you know, if Hardik Pandya comes into the mix, uh, and I say if because he's not played in New Zealand, he's not played in Bangladesh. Uh, at some point, uh, he's if India want him to play the ODI World Cup, he's going to have to start playing ODIs. And if he uh, uh, does, then... He slots in in that number six position, yeah, uh, because uh, then you really have only numbers four and five that are kind of open. And look at your competition for that. Shreyas is making a really strong case for selection. Surya Kumar, India would love to have his versatility and his inventiveness in the middle overs because, like, you know, with five fielders outside the circle in a T20, he plays uh, those crazy shots. Imagine what he can do with four fielders out in a ODI. There's uh, Rishabh Pant and KL Rahul and possibly Sanju Samson. So you have like these five players pushing for two spots at four and five. Then you have Hardik at six and then you're uh, uh, spinning all-rounder, which is, whether it's Jadija or Oxer or Washington from the seven and then four bowlers. So that those spots at number four and five, the competition is unbelievable at is there a way to simplify this and uh, take Shreyas Iyer anyway by using him as like a like-for-like like replacement for Virat Kohli? Kohli's fitness has been good. Uh, he is going to play every series, but uh, like having someone like a Shreyas Iyer in the wings to take over for a similar role, considering they both bat similarly, like is that one way you could go about? Like where Shreyas, uh, well, he has the weight of runs behind him at the moment. He's scoring a lot of runs. Where Shreyas' game is actually different from some of the others, and maybe even Kohli's, is that he's really, really good against spin. He uh, yeah, he throws spinners off their game, like, you know, possibly even better than Kohli. In that middle uh, overs phase in ODIs, in a World Cup in India, Shreyas could have a really important role to play. I wouldn't say he is like for like, and you just can't ignore the amount of runs that he's scoring at the moment. I'll say if the World Cup had to happen tomorrow, given the number of runs and the way he's been scoring them in the last 2-3 years, Shreyas Sayer should be in the 11, not just as a backup for anyone. He will be there as a number 4 maybe. Then the point Kostov also raises is valid 
there's only a place for one person between Surya, Pant and KL Rahul. And you need a keeper in the 11. And you need a keeper. So that could come down to between KL Rahul and Rishabh Pant. It's going to be tough, that number four or number five. It's good to have so many options, but now it's... Yeah, it's really important to get those slots right. What about, uh, in case there's no Pandya, what about like someone like uh, Deepak Huda or uh, uh, Shardul Thakur? Shardul Thakur, the thing is you can't play him anywhere above number seven. It's number six is too high for it. I would say maybe Deepak Huda, but again, he Deepak Huda cannot bowl as many overs as Hardik Pandya does in an ODI. At least right now, that's not how we've seen it. So, but I was going to say maybe Washington Sundar because he's... Playing ODI is really well right now, but the problem is he's not a like-for-like replacement. You will already have a spin bowling yeah. all-rounder at number 7. So at 6, you need another load-order finisher who can also give you a bowling option that's not just spin. Yeah, the things to watch out for, like Hardik Pandya is going to be so crucial. And it's going to be a tricky one. You know, there's all this talk about him being India's next T20 captain, which then brings his workload also into focus. Uh, bowling 4 overs in T20 international is one thing, but bowling 5-6 overs in an ODI... You know, fairly regularly something else. So, uh, Jadeja's fitness is also unproven. So, you know, Akshar and Washington also come into the mix there for that spinning all-rounder slot. Yeah, whether India can get Abhik Pandya uh, ODI ready is a huge question. Ideally, I think they would want to. Who do you pick for numbers four and five? I think those are like the burning questions at the moment. Yeah, and if Hardik Pandya is not ready for whatever reason, who is his backup? Yeah, that's going to be tricky because you don't have a batter... Uh, who bowls, who's good enough to bat at number six. Because, like, number six is too high for Washington, it's too high for Shardul, it's too possibly too high for even Jadeja. Ideally, all of those players are your number seven. But then if you play a specialist batter at number six, then your bowling becomes quite weak. Like, if you want to solidify this, then I would say your number seven is... Uh kind of sort of fixed uh, it's going to be Ravindra Jadeja if he's fit and if he's not fit you have two uh, replacements in Akshar Patel and Washington Sundar Akshar Patel didn't work out in the T20 World Cup sure but uh, again it's not uh, T20 cricket it's uh, an ODI World Cup so uh, I would say number seven is a rock at this point we know who is in the mix uh, if we have to take our attention towards the bowling, uh, it's an even bigger question mark, right? You have Jasprit Bumrah who is injured and we don't want to rush him in. Siraj is making a great case, but uh, is he your strike bowler? And uh, there's Shami, we are trying a million other people at the moment. There's Umran Malik, uh, Arshdeep Singh, is there a case to be made for his uh, ODI cap? Uh, how do we go about figuring out our bowling given that uh, Jasprit Bumrah is not in the attack? And to add to that, uh, who's going to be a second spinner? Is it going to be Yuzvendra Chahel? Like, we know we're going to play in India, so you have to pick based on the conditions, sure. But uh, we don't even know who our second spinner is. A lot of it will depend on conditions on the day in India, you know. Assuming Hardik plays and you have a spinning all-rounder, uh, it depends whether you, out of your four specialist bowlers, whether you pick two spinners and two fast bowlers or three fast bowlers and one spinner. There, India have a lot of options. You know, there's Bumrah, Siraj is doing really well. Shami will always be in the mix uh, in, in ODIs at home. Uh, Arshdeep, uh, I think he'll definitely be tried out in ODIs. You know, there's Deepak Shahel and Shardul Thakur. Spinners, there's Shahel uh, and Kuldeep who could come back into the mix. There's, again, it's about getting the combinations right, whether you want to play six bowlers with three seamers and three spinners or four seamers and two spinners, depending on conditions. Like India have the personnel to make that happen. So like to solidify all our picks and uh, like looking at it broadly now, 
we have two openers in uh, Shikhar Dhawan and Rohit Sharma with uh, Gil as backup. Virat Kohli at number three and uh, Shreyas Pant is your dedicated keeper and uh, you have KL Rahul and Suryakumar Yadav for the remaining slots for batting. Pandya is a shoe-in. You are going to pick him no matter what. Uh, Ravindra Jadeja are going to pick no matter what. Or you know who your backups are to number seven. Uh, who are your bowlers then, finally? Like, if you had to give them a run now for the remaining matches coming up, uh, who are the four bowlers that are going to pick? Like, you'd have Bumrah. You'd have Siraj, but I'd like to see Siraj get, like, a consistent run now in the ODI team. I think you need someone who swings the new ball uh, a fair bit. So, like, you know, between Deepak Sheher and Bhubaneswar. And then your spinners. Possibly want one wrist spinner in the 11. Chahal is your front runner there. Uh, with Kuldi possibly as backup. And then now how to fit all of these into a 15 is a good question. Uh, that w- is a call that will be taken based on, you know, fitness and which spot will India need to have backups more than others and that sort of thing. So, yeah. To give a run in the next few series, I'll for the left arm variation, I'll also want to see Ashdeep Singh, how he does in ODIs because he certainly has the temperament and he swings the new ball and he also bowls really well with the old ball in T20s. But obviously, ODIs are so different. If he gets, let's say, a spell in the middle overs on a flat Indian pitch in, in the ODI World Cup, how is he going to perform there? Is he made for that is where I'd like to see in the next few series. But again, he's not in the squad right now for the Bangladesh uh, tour that is going on. So hopefully, he'll get a few games in the next few series. Maybe against Sri Lanka, yeah. Australia. No, that's a very good point Vishal makes because it's one thing to, you know, take wickets and uh, bowl well when in T20s when batsmen are trying to go after you. Uh, but it's another thing to do 10 overs in an ODI and possibly flat conditions and find a way to succeed when batsmen can easily pick you off for 6-7 runs in an over without taking too many risks. Does he have that sort of versatility? Like, yeah, uh, it'd be really interesting to see because, and like Vishal says, he certainly has a temperament. He's like, he's got a cool head on his shoulders. He's certainly good with the new ball. Like, he's amazing with the new ball. Uh, so, through the middle and then at the death, that's what we'll have to see. All right, I guess that's a wrap for our discussion for today. Uh, even if uh, it's not too conclusive, at least it, all three of us here have a fair idea of who our 15 should be ideally and uh, let's see going forward if any of those things come to fruition. This was fun, Kostad. Thank you, Vishal. Look forward to doing one of these again soon. Uh, possibly after a couple of ODI series where we have a little more clarity on uh, the direction India is taking and hopefully there'll be uh, more good news to talk about. Yeah. There's lots to look forward to. The middle order slots, who are the fast bowlers and all those things and hopefully... We'll have selectors also in the coming weeks who will decide, who will put out a nice roadmap for the World Cup. Yeah, if there's one conclusion I take from this discussion, it's that uh, I do not want to be a selector right now. It's a very hard job. And no matter what happens, there's going to be some uh, fan base that's going to be upset or some questions that's always going to be left unanswered. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for joining me on this discussion. Uh, Thank you listeners for being a part of it. And I'll see you guys soon. 